Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're so thankful that you're taking some time today to listen. We pray that this week's message challenges you to press in deeper with your pursuit of Christ. Our mission at Vision Church is to go and make disciples. You can help us in this mission by rating this podcast and sharing it with the world via social media. We want to reach the lost by raising up the found. Thank you again for tuning in today and enjoy the message. If you have your Bible, we're going to jump right in today. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked, what is happening? And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by. Verse 38, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near Jesus, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Pray with me now. Father, we love you. And we are so incredibly thankful for your word. I pray right now that you'd be strong in my weakness, that you would make ready the hearts of your people to receive the word of truth. Help us to see what the Spirit is unfolding right before our eyes. Lord, we also pause to pray for the nation of Israel today, and we pray for peace in the Middle East. God, have mercy and bring this conflict to an abrupt halt. Lord, by your power and by your name, it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So today's message is called, Bring the Blind. Tell your neighbor, bring the blind. Little context here. This is a very significant miracle. In fact, it's so significant that it was recorded in three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three record this miracle from different perspectives. Each gospel reveals just a little bit more detail than the prior. And in Mark's gospel, he reveals that this is not just any blind man. His name is Bartimaeus, and he is a beggar on the road of Jericho. It's also important to note here that Jesus is not just randomly passing through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem, where ultimately he would lay down his life for us on Calvary's cross and pay for our sins in full. Over the next few moments, we're gonna work our way through these eight verses and we're gonna extract points right out of them that I believe are applicable and speak directly into our life today. The first one is don't be silent. Look at your other neighbor, the one you've been ignoring and tell them, don't be silent. <clears throat> don't be silent. 
All the introverts hate me right now, but good afternoon, good morning. Something in this text that we often miss is what Bartimaeus called Jesus. He said, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Many times when we read the text, we just glance over that as though it's just another name, another title for Jesus. But make no mistake about it, the historical and cultural context is that he was actually calling Jesus Savior, Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life. When blind Bartimaeus of Jewish descent cries out and says, son of David, have mercy on me, he is literally pronouncing to the crowd and all the passers-by that that one named Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world because as a Jew, they knew that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. You remember in the Gospel of Matthew, the very first chapter, how it has the lineage, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so the page do you flip? Matthew's gospel begins with that lineage to show us that he is Jesus, the son of David, qualifying him as Messiah, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. So as this blind Bartimaeus cries out, son of David, he's declaring his lordship and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the irony here is that in the same crowd, there are Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, religious experts, and shepherds, watchmen of the day. And just a few moments earlier, these same Pharisees watched Jesus cast a demon out of a man. And instead of praising God, they accused Jesus and they said, the only reason he had the power to cast the demon out is because he's empowered by Beelzebub, darkness himself. That's one of the first times we see the word blasphemy assigned in the scripture. Blasphemy is assigning a work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Now, keep in mind the Pharisees who are supposed to be the guides, the shepherds of Israel, when they saw Jesus, the Messiah, they called him an agent of darkness. Yet this blind beggar pleading for alms on the side of the road Though he was blind, he saw what the Pharisees could not see. He saw that Jesus is not just a, another prophet. No, no, that's the son of David, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The irony here is that the Pharisees were blind and the beggar is who saw. Anybody else believe today that he can give sight to the blind? He can do it. Romans chapter one, verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. You know, not much has changed. The educated elite of Christ's day missed him. The Pharisees who claimed to be wise overlooked him and minimized him and overlooked him. 
But the beggar, the blind man, is the one who saw and identified. Many today in our world who are critics of our faith, critics of the gospel, academic elite, they claim to be wise, but they suppress the truth about God. The Pharisees knew him as God, but refused to worship him as Messiah. They saw his miracles, but refused to call him healer. They saw the truth and suppressed it. And many today in our world do the exact same. They wanna silence you. They wanna silence the message of the gospel. They see the power of God at work, but they don't wanna believe it and they don't wanna see it. And they suppress the message of Christ. Don't be silent under this world's pressure. The same crowd that looked at Bartimaeus and said, be quiet, is the same crowd that tries to silence you and I today as we declare and proclaim the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. The crowd that told Bartimaeus to be still, their motive wasn't because he was rowdy and disorderly, no, what he said was so offensive, it repulsed the crowd and they told him, be still. Don't you call him Messiah. Don't you call him Savior. Don't you call him the Lord of Lords. That crowd tried to silence that blind beggar and the world longs to silence you and I today. Do not be silent. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And when the world told Bartimaeus to be still, he shouted all the louder and proclaimed, he's the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> Acts chapter four, verse 13. I want you to listen to this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Skipping down to verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them to never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Not only did a crowd try to silence Bartimaeus, but a crowd tried to silence Peter and John too, as they set out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were resilient. They didn't bow. I want you to understand today that the, the world, this crowd, they want to stop us from proclaiming his name. And have you ever paused to notice that the world is okay with every other God, every other Messiah. There's only one name that offends and causes the world to recoil. Nobody's offended at the name of Muhammad or Allah or Buddha or Confucius. Nobody's offended or off-put by those names. Have you ever noticed? If you stood in the street and you professed another deity, they would applaud you and celebrate your Uniqueness and just, wow, how wonderful. Oh, but you preach that one name, the name of Jesus, and people react. There's always a response to the name of Jesus. Why? Because there is power in one name, and neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved than the name 
of Jesus. There's one way to heaven, one way to the Father, and it's through the Son, Jesus Christ. Now listen, some of you are gonna write me off and say, well, you're narrow-minded. Well, I just say my mind's made up. Nobody else died for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Harry Krishna, nobody else died on the cross for you. Only Jesus had the power to lay down his life and three days later, take it back again, overcoming death, hell, and the grave. That's why I will forever proclaim there's salvation in one name. It's the name of Jesus. Anybody believe what I'm saying today? He's the way. The crowd not only tried to silence blind Bartimaeus because he was proclaiming the lordship of Jesus, but many in the crowd tried to silence him because they didn't see his importance or his value. Many in the crowd that day said, shh, just be still. You're, don't disrupt his ministry. Look how important Jesus is. You're just a blind beggar. You're insignificant. He doesn't have time for you. And I love that the very man the crowd overlooked and discounted was the very one Jesus paused and turned to. The crowd overlooked this blind beggar, but Jesus overlooked the crowd, leaving the 99 just for that one. It shows you a glimpse of his character, his nature, his person. He is a personal savior. And if the world has overlooked you, if man has rejected you, take comfort in the reality that our God is the God who sees, the God who perceives. He sees you. He loves you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Scripture says the hair on your head are numbered, and he knows them. The number of hair on my head is diminishing every single day, and he's still keeping track of that. He loves you with a love that is unfathomable, don't let the enemy water down your salvation and your conversion to get you convinced that, oh, it's just about the masses. You're just a number in the crowd. Yes, Jesus died for the world, but Hebrews says he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. Hebrews is telling us you were that joy that was set before him. As he endured the suffering on the cross, he had you in mind, spending eternity with you. He died for you, and he loves you and knows you by name. Anybody thankful for a God who doesn't overlook the blind Bartimaeus? Hallelujah. He's an awesome God. I want you to look at this really quickly. In Luke 18, verses 38 and 39, both tell us that Bartimaeus shouted. And in the Greek manuscripts, it uses two different words for shout. In verse 38, the Greek word tells us that he shouted, a little louder than normal, son of David, have mercy on me. But in verse 39, it escalates to a whole nother level. And it wasn't just a casual shout. That word in the Greek in verse 39 that says he shouted, it literally means he yelled with all that was within him. It was an uncontrollable yelling and urging, a screaming, relenting, pleading for the master to save him and to have mercy on him. Tell your neighbor there's power in a shout. There's power in a shout. You know, he shouted one phrase, but it took on three meanings. Everybody say three meanings. 
You know, sometimes, sometimes you don't have the words to say, and all you can do is shout and praise him. But in that shout and in that praising, three things happen. Number one, blind Bartimaeus was proclaiming the good news. I told you that already. Son of David, that's proclamation of the gospel. Number two, in his shout, he was praying, son of David, have mercy on me. Heal me, forgive me, restore me. And number three, he was praising Jesus. In saying you are the son of David, have mercy, he's implying you are healer, you are deliverer, you are savior of my soul. In a shout, many things can be accomplished, not just one. I want to, I want to address the people that like church just a little too quiet. You know, you think we're a little too rowdy. You know, the preacher's a little too intense here. You just need to calm down. Um, let me just tell you something. At Vision Church, we're just trying to get you ready for heaven. Because heaven's going to be a little rowdy. Let me ask you, do you really think in heaven right now, the angels are just giving him a golf clap? Like, you know, Lord, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. No, scripture says that the heavens erupt with the praise of the master. It describes that the seraphim surround the very throne of heaven and they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Day and night, night and day, they praise him. Let all creation and let everything that has breath, let it praise the Lord. And you can worship quiet, but there's no such thing as a quiet praise. Three people with me? That means, I'm, that means I'm in your driveway preaching what you need to hear. There's no such thing as a quiet praise. People say, well, you know, I like to praise the Lord quiet. Well, hey, you can worship the Lord quiet, but you can't praise him quiet. And you know what? Something happens when you release a sound. Something happens when you praise him. On the inside, it liberates you. There's a joyful noise going to be made in the presence of the Lord. So we're just trying to warm you up, get you ready, all right? It's a celebration of the goodness of God. Another thing that his shout teaches us is that we should be persistent. We should be persistent. You know, some of us, if we were, if we were blind and on the road of Jericho, we would have just said, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, guys, nobody, nobody heard me. The crowd kept going. So, oh, well, back to begging. Some, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Just because you prayed one time and he didn't answer, don't stop praying. Just because you believed one time and your circumstances didn't change, don't stop believing. Just because you praised and you raised your hand at a 45-degree angle and nothing changed, keep praising him. Be persistent. Because your urgency, your sincerity, your persistence captures the attention of the master. Do you realize that Bartimaeus, his persistence caused Jesus to turn around? Oh, one of these days I'm going to preach a sermon when Jesus turns around. Woo! That's gonna be, I'm, I'm excited for that right now. I don't know about you, but I want the kind of desperation. I want the kind of faith. I want the kind of worship that causes Jesus to turn my way. You know, for those of you that still like to just, you know, 
you just don't want to praise the Lord? Jesus said it this way. He said, who's going to praise me more? The person that's been forgiven little or the person that's been forgiven much? And the Pharisees who are hearing that, they go, yeah, see, we're going to praise a little because we've just been forgiven little. We've been pretty good. You know what I mean? We keep the law right over their head. Completely missed it. What Jesus is saying is that we've all sinned greatly and come short of the glory of God. And we've all been forgiven much. Just not everybody knows it yet. You don't know what it costs these people to praise and worship them like that. They know they've been forgiven much. Desperation and faith caused Jesus to stop and turn around. You know, Satan wants to silence you. He wants to silence your praise, your sharing of the gospel. But you know, it's not just the crowd that tells you to be quiet. The number one thing that silences the praise, the prayer, and the, and the worship of the saints is our own sin. We are our own worst enemy. In fact, I brought the Bible to back that up. First John chapter three, verse 21. It says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. John 3, 21 is literally telling you that our sin robs us of our confidence before God. Like the enemy doesn't even need a crowd to tell you to calm down. He just reminds you of what you did last night. He just accuses you of what you said the other day. And that's all it takes to silence you. How many of you have ever sinned and you're like, you know what? Let's praise the Lord. Let's just, let's just praise him. Like, like 0% of you have ever felt that way. You know why? Because we react the same way Adam and Eve reacted in the garden. When they sinned, they ran and they hid. And they were silenced from the presence of the Lord. If you're in this place today and you, sin has robbed you of your confidence before God, let me encourage you to do two things. Number one, repent of your sin. Even born-again Christians are called to repent when we fall. Repentance means to turn your back on the sin and turn your face towards Jesus. Repent. And the second thing is remember. Remember that your right standing with God was never about your performance anyway. Your righteousness was never about the time that had lapsed since you last sinned. No, your righteousness, and we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need because his blood was spilled on our behalf. Our righteousness was afforded to us through Christ and his death on the cross. Repent and remember, it was never about your performance anyway. It was always about his finished work. I wish I'd get a witness in Vision Church to celebrate his finished work today. Do you understand? Listen, listen, this is so important, church, because when you pray, you start to pray and the enemy whispers and reminds you all the things you did wrong. Well, just stop right there and say, you know what, devil, you're right. But I've repented and I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. And I can come boldly before the throne of grace in my time of need, not because of my performance, but by the blood of Jesus that was spilled for me. It changes your life, church. It changes your life. Our confidence is in him. Another thing I want to pull out of this text is the crowd is blocking the way. Tell your neighbor the crowd is in the way. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, 
But the crowd represents the world. It's ideology, mainstream culture, materialism, greed, clout, fame. The crowd has always been blocking the way to the master. Bartimaeus was over here on the side of the road and there was a crowd physically in between him and Jesus. You and I cannot follow Jesus and remain in the crowd. They're going in opposite directions. If you're going to follow the crowd, you're going to miss Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to come out from the crowd. In order for blind Bartimaeus to have an encounter with Jesus and to follow him, that means he had to go in a different direction from the crowd. The scripture warns the way that leads to destruction is wide and broad, and many there are that go after it. But the way that leads to life is straight and narrow, and few there be that find it. If you think like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, you do everything the world's doing. Only you in the world. The way of this world is going in the opposite direction of the kingdom of heaven. I'm in a place now in my life where whatever the mainstream crowd is doing, I just want to run the other direction as fast as I can. Can I tell you something? If you follow the crowd, you're going to end up where they're headed. I'm trying to talk to you today. You, got to come. you can't stay in the crowd and follow Jesus. You cannot be afraid to be different. Don't fear their opinion. Don't fear their disrespect. Fear God, not man. Next thing I want to show you is super profound, and that is that faith comes by hearing. Tell your other neighbor, faith comes by hearing. I'm going to tell you something profound. You ready? Blind people can't see. Some of you are like, oh, that was deep, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm right, write that down. Blind people can't see. Bartimaeus could not see Jesus, but he could hear him. And if you really want to get technical, blind Bartimaeus neither saw Jesus or heard Jesus directly. He only heard what the crowd was saying about him. I want to speak to my people in the house today that you say, unless I see it, I won't believe it. Unless I can tangibly experience it, I won't believe it. Well, Bartimaeus neither saw Jesus nor heard him directly. All he could do was see Jesus's effect on the world around him. And that was enough for him to believe in the master to say, son of David, have mercy on me. That hearing of what Jesus had done was enough for Bartimaeus. Is it enough for you? One person agrees and you're right. But you listen, people say, well, I don't believe in anything I don't see. That's a lie. Can you see love? Can you see joy? Can you see the wind? Nope. But you can see its effect on the world around you. No man has ever seen God, but you most certainly have seen his effect on the world around you. It was enough for Bartimaeus. Is it enough for you? It was his faith that gave him sight. But I want you to look at this. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Preaching may seem like foolishness to men, 
but it is God's plan to convey the gospel into the hearts of every man and woman on planet earth. Because when you hear the word, faith arises. Isaiah 55, 11 says, my word cannot return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it was sent out to do. God's word always has a purpose. It is never empty or lacking in power. God's word always accomplishes the purpose it was sent to do regardless of how we respond to it. Because the word forces you to respond. It forces you to either accept or reject, to either be convicted and transformed or condemned in your sin. The choice is yours, but the word of God never returns void. And I pray as you hear it today, I pray that it gives you faith. Don't stop praying over your children. Don't stop talking to your children about the word of God, even if they seem distracted and like they're not listening. They can't be in the presence of the word and leave the same. God is doing a work in the unseen places of their life. His word never returns void and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another thing I wanna show you very quickly is blind Bartimaeus threw off his coat. Tell your neighbor, he threw off his coat. This is only recorded in Mark's gospel. So if you're looking for it in Luke, good luck. Now we read that in Mark's gospel and we're like, okay, he threw off his coat. But you've got to pause and feel the significance of what that was because the coat was very likely the most valuable possession Bartimaeus owned. It's what kept him warm at night. It was the most valuable thing on his person. But more importantly, it was the tool of his trade because as a beggar, as he would lay on the road of Jericho, he would lay the coat over his lap and as people would throw change and alms to him, he would collect it in his coat. That was how he begged. But the Bible says in Mark 10, that when he heard Jesus call him forward, that Bartimaeus jumped up and threw off the coat. The mental image here is that the coins and the alms that had been donated to him were fluttering out everywhere, all over, bouncing off the street to his utter disregard. And that demonstration by blind Bartimaeus, remember it happened before the miracle. He still couldn't see. But in throwing off the coat, you know what he was saying to everybody in the crowd? I may have been a beggar yesterday, but I'm not gonna need to beg another day in my life because I'm in the presence of the healer. You see, I needed this, but I'm not gonna need it any longer because I'm in the presence of Jesus. I'm in the presence of the one who is able to deliver me. He is my comfort. He is my refuge. He is my prize, my reward, and He is my provider. When He discarded the coat, He was saying, you're about to heal me. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but stop waiting on the miracle to praise Him. Stop waiting for God to answer your prayer request 
before you worship him. No, go ahead and praise him like Bartimaeus, right where you are. You might still be sick, praise him right where you are. You might still be bound, praise him. You might still be struggling, you go ahead and praise him like he healed you. Praise him like he forgave you. Praise him right where you are. Don't wait for the miracle. Praise him right now. You feel that today? I think we can learn a little something from a blind beggar, don't you? In closing, and I mean it this time, we're all blind. We're all blind. When we read this story, we feel bad for Bartimaeus and then we rejoice in his miracle. But rarely do we ever stop to realize that blind Bartimaeus is me. Blind Bartimaeus is you. I know when you read the Bible, you wanna be the hero. You wanna be the disciple or at least somebody in the crowd. But no, no, you're the lame one. You're the blind one. You're the prostitute. It's true. In the Bible, that's the damsel in distress. That's you. The broken one, that's you. Because it's showing you our spiritual condition that we were blind, unable to see. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that we were blinded by Satan. We were unable to perceive the light of his glorious gospel. We were blind and didn't know it. But Jesus, like he drew near to Bartimaeus, is drawing near to you. It wasn't Bartimaeus who drew near to Jesus. Oh no. It was Jesus who came for him and it is Jesus who came for you. You did not one day wake up and say, you know what, I'm gonna start living right and I'm gonna give my life to Jesus today. No, no, homie, long before you were even cognitively aware of your sinfulness, the master was drawing near to you. And it is he who loved you first. It is he who drew you by his spirit. He's the one who left the 99 to come for you. And many of you today in this room, watching online, you're still blind. You're living for yourself. The passions of this world, the lusts of this life. That's your God, that's your master, you're blind. But I got good news. You're today in the presence of the master. He's drawing near to you. Will you call on his name? I love what he said. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't say, son of David, heal me. He said, have mercy on me. Because blind Bartimaeus understood that the greatest miracle he was in need of was not the healing of his body, but the salvation of his soul. Oh, church, he's more concerned about your redemption, your forgiveness, than he is about your body. He truly is. This is a picture of our salvation because he was given new sight, just like you were given a new perspective and a new outlook on life. Not only could Bartimaeus see, but now he was given a new life altogether entirely. He discarded his old garments, his old way of life. He didn't need it anymore. And in Jesus, former things pass away and all things have been come, become new. And finally, I love this. Do you realize that for the first time in Bartimaeus' existence, he now, for the first time, actually had the ability to really follow Jesus. 
See, when he was blind, he was hopeless. He was trapped and lost. But now that he'd been given sight, he could actually truly have the ability to follow. This is the picture of your sanctification, church. Jesus didn't just save you to sit you on the third row and say, good job. Salvation's not the finish line, it's the starting point. And he saved you to sanctify you. And now by his spirit, you actually have the ability to love like Jesus loved, to forgive like Jesus forgave. You once were blind, but now you see. And every born again Christian, you're empowered by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead to actually be a light in this dark, cold world. We're gonna end this service a little different. Directly underneath your seat, there are two post-it notes. Why don't you grab them really quickly? There are two green post-it notes and a pen. I you to grab it really quickly. It's in the overflow too and in the balcony. I wanna to read to you Luke 18, 40. It says this, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. When Jesus heard Bartimaeus' cry, he stopped the crowd and he said, bring that man to me. There are two heroes in this story. Jesus is the ultimate hero, obviously, but there's a second hero in this story. It's found right there in verse 40. Most of us overlook it. The second hero in the story is the friend that led blind Bartimaeus to the feet of the master. You see, all of our faith began with somebody else's. Before you even had the sense to pray for you, somebody, a grandmama, a daddy, somebody was praying for you when you didn't have the sense to pray for yourself. Somebody was inviting you to church. Somebody was sharing the gospel with you. Somebody brought you to the feet of the master. All of us, our faith started with somebody who brought us to the healer. And today, every one of you that's given your life to Christ, you are called to bring the blind to the feet of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. With that green post-it note, I want you to write the name of one person in your life, coworker, roommate, family member, that does not know Jesus. I want you to write the name of one person that is spiritually blind right now that is in your life. And I want you to write their name on both post-it notes. Both post-it notes. And here's what we're gonna do. That first post-it note, I want you to take it home with you. I want you to put it on your refrigerator, put it on your bathroom mirror, so when you're brushing your teeth, hopefully you brush your teeth, when you brush your teeth, you see that green post-it note, and every time you see that name, I want you to pray for that person. Here's what's, here's what's happening. In seven weeks from today, December 10th, we're doing our Christmas service at Vision Church. Seven weeks. Everybody say seven weeks. Some of you realize you haven't even started shopping. Congratulations, this is your warning. 
In seven weeks, we're gonna do our Christmas service right here at Vision Church. And there's gonna be seven services in one weekend. Seven services in one weekend. We're gonna be able to serve 2,000 people that weekend. And if there's one thing you know about unbelievers, they will come two times a year. They're called CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. So here's what I want you to do. With that name in your hand, for the next seven weeks, every time you see that post-it note, pray for that person. Number two, invest in their life relationally. Call them, text them, take them to lunch, and you pay for it. If you're broke, just go to Freedom Park and walk in a circle. Invest in them relationally over seven weeks. And number three, when it's time for Christmas at Vision Church, invite them, bring them to the master. Bring the blind to Jesus. Be a part of somebody else's faith beginning. And here's what I'm gonna promise you. On Christmas service at Vision Church, it's not gonna be some frou-frou, nostalgic, kumbaya Christmas service. I'm gonna preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in love, humility, and boldness to a lost and dying world. We did this last Easter and 81 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. Lives transformed, marriages healed. He will do it if you will bring the blind. So as we dismiss this morning, I want you, as you before you exit, to come and lay one of those post-it notes right here on the altar. And we're gonna pray along with you for the next seven weeks that these people will come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We love you, Vision Church. You're dismissed. Bring your card forward to the feet of the Master. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, click that subscribe button, share this podcast on social, or even take a screenshot from your story and tag us. We'd love to hear how the Lord is using this podcast to bless your life. You can send an email to info at visionchurch.com or you can DM us on social with a story of how God is moving in your world. Also, we'd like to thank those who invest in our ministry financially. It's because of your sacrifice that we are able to publish this every week. If you'd like to join in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in the description or visit visionchurch.com and click the Give tab. Thanks again for listening. God bless.